You know what it is for me with the coffee too? It's just a habit. Because I'll be in my house, I'll be in my house and I don't drink it. But when I get to work, I'm like, I need a cup of coffee. And I don't even drink it half the time. I take like three sips and it just sits there. You want to know what it is? Because it is uh, not only a dependency, but it becomes part of your routine. You ever see those those commercials about smoking? I don't know if you ever saw my favorite one is where the woman starts in her car and her driveway is up. And when she reverts, she gets in the car through the back seat, Mm -hmm. climbs over the front. And when she reverses, she reverses onto the grass instead of going straight down mm-hmm. hits the mailbox and it's like if you can learn to drive without smoking oh, you can learn to do everything because it's it's more psychological than right. anything else. again invite me back because this is <laughs> they're gonna be like i was gonna watch the podcast until i saw it was five hours 43 minutes and 70 seconds. i can't well first of all now i want to i want to hear her uh i want to see her eat these uh lobsters and now i oh, want yeah. i want to go see this commercial she's talking about <laughs> it's so good I, we're gonna have to look it up for you i'm gonna send you the link on this for sure. we're gonna have we're gonna do a a vegan versus non-vegan crab leg eating day so you're gonna Ooh. eat imitation crab meat and try to make it all all asmr-ish <laughs> and i'm gonna crack some real shits open and she's just gonna look at me like this because she's gonna be like i can't believe she cracked king crab legs with her teeth yes my teeth oh are strong. yes that's what i do too i used to I, it's pretty bad like the way i eat no let me tell you, okay, yo no tengo pena cuando yo como. <laughs> Everyone here doesn't speak Spanish, right? Ali no. understands. Yeah, okay, I won't respond. Well, Ali, let me tell you what I just said. I don't got no shame when I eat, bitch. There's no shame in my game. Oh, no. I'm cracking with my teeth. I'm licking my... I have a thing with food. I have... I like to be connected to things. I'm a very hands-on person. Mm. So even when I pass somebody in the club, like, I'll put my hand on someone. You know, you try to yeah. be respectful of touch in general, but I'm a very, like, connected person. I have to eat every meal. We hands. At some point, something with my hands. Even if it doesn't call for it, I will find a way <laughs> to connect my fingers to my food. And so crab legs are my best friend. Yeah. But I feel like many people in different uh, traditions and cultures throughout the world, they eat with their for hands. For sure. For that reason. Oh, yes. yes. For so, sure. Yeah. Like those sensory, like, and I feel like enjoying different types of, like, sensory sensations when you're eating, not mm-hmm. just smell and taste. I want to touch it. I want to, you know, like, I want that. I want to smell it. I want it all. So you want it all. All senses. Food is an experience. I say it all the time. Yeah. Food is an experience. That's what we've made it. Because it's supposed to be Correct. for fuel, right? Yeah, but th- right. it's evolved. And so I like the evolution of it. So I want to do all five senses at a time. People are probably like, relax, sis. We're in a <laughs> on, restaurant. On the next episode of the Kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Are y'all rolling, by the way? Yeah. Oh, yeah. As oh, okay. soon as I came yeah, on. All right. I just wanted to make sure. Always when we say something like that is when everything awkward in your life wants to happen. My nose started itching immediately when I found out you were all rolling, so I'm like scratching my nose. I'm like, oh, we're rolling. Oh, so we're getting this all. Great. That's amazing. The trick is to get organic started. Yeah. And oh, for to, sure. Listen, yeah. I don't know how to be anything other than natural and shit. We're going to have fun with this one. I'm excited. Yeah, so who is this voice? Who is this voice? Um, we are on today. As we promised, we were going to bring you one amazing woman mm-hmm. every episode this month. So that's what we're here to do. We are on today with the beautiful Erica Marta. Thank yes. you for having me, ladies. Yes. <laughs> um, and let's just get this one started. We And let's get the show on the road. Let's Jump right into it. Road. Yes, that's right. As you already know, adulting is hard. Ask some cheese, man. I'm Evie. This is Ali. And I'm Julie. Featuring Erica Marta. <laughs> yes. And this is Dike Chisme, where we serve you chisme with a side of life lessons every Thursday at 5. At Every five. Thursday at 5. All right, so let's 
jump right in, introduce yourself, give the listeners a little a little taste of who you is. Who Hi, you people. How you doing and shit like that? <laughs> my, name, my name is Erica Marta. How am I going to introduce myself? I am a creative dancer, writer, model, actor, spiritual healer. I am I am a bunch of things mixed into one. A business card is a resume. You feel me? I always <laughs> right. say that I am the most um, contradictory person that I know. Mm. There's a lot of me that contradicts. So I don't I don't follow one one specific format. We're walking believe, dichotomy. You know, my traits are not mutually exclusive, so I'm a, I'm a mix of a lot of things. Yeah. So I'm actually excited that I'm doing this because eventually I wanna do my own podcast. So now I'm feeling it out. Oh I'm, which we're practicing ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm honored to be here, especially because um Women's International Month is, you know. We're honoring inter- women during this month, and I have my first women's event coming up, so I've been yes. trying to prepare for that by surrounding myself with incredible women also, like even more than I already am, yeah? So, because I used to not be a woman's woman. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I used to be the type of woman that always said, I don't have female friends, and it's because at the time I didn't. But then when I realized why I didn't have female friends, because at the time, the women I was surrounding myself for- with weren't really my people. Okay. And so when you when you evolve, when you start taking care of yourself, when those things start you start you start to attract them, yeah? So instead of just being friends with the guys because we got along with the tomboyish side, I was missing something that I didn't know that I was missing. Mm-hmm. So now I'm definitely a woman's woman too, you know what I mean? So it's gonna be fun. That's awesome. Living your truth living your truth in all aspects. I'm hundred percent. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about baby Erica. Yep. And coming into yourself. Where did you grow up? Okay, so I was born, I'm going to give you the whole rundown. I yes, was born in, here. in North Bergen, New Jersey. Jersey! Yes, honey. I lived in Weehawken until I was five. So I grew up on Bergen Line with a Cuban grandmother that came off the boat and spoke no English. Hey. So I spoke Spanish first. Mm-hmm. So at five years old, my dad was like, I don't know what the hell my kid is saying. So we need to teach her English. I moved to East Hanover, predominantly white, white Italian town when I was five. And I lived there until I moved out of the house like three years ago, almost three years ago. And so I grew up very separated in many ways from my culture. Mm. Um, I want to say that I'm Cuban, Puerto Rican, and Greek. We got some Spaniard in there, but I cut the line at three. <laughs> and I feel like I identify mainly with the Cuban side because I was raised, like I said, mainly by my, my tia abuela, which means the sister of my grandmother. So I spoke Spanish first. The food I ate in the house was predominantly Cuban food. Um, when I would go to school, I didn't really have that bond with kids when they were bringing pasta and I was bringing rice and beans and that (laughs) little differentiation, you know what I'm saying? Like your language kind of sounded familiar, but it really wasn't my language type of thing. So I grew up very, um, very connected in my home, but very disconnected in my environment. Mm. And so that whole nature versus nurture is something that I, I still explore and speak about it often because as much as I feel like your core values and what what is innately in you via source or whatever it is that you call God, the universe and whatever your parents put into you. That's one thing, right? But your environment, it's crazy to say that in any way, shape or form, it doesn't influence you in some way. Correct. Right. So I kind of took myself out of it around 16 when I had a little bit more ability to travel and I got to choose where I worked and where I was hanging out. So then I went to West Orange Mm. and Newark and started working uptown 10 years ago. And I was like surrounding myself more with, with my people, not to say that I can't, you know, relate to any and everyone. Right. Because I feel, I feel, I don't really feel out of place anywhere. But you yet, felt but that's like more there was something missing. Than a cultural thing. Yeah. For sure. I, I wasn't, it wasn't very known and it wasn't very accepted. And I grew up in a town where 
And it's funny because let, let, let me just make this little, uh, this little segue. When we speak about things like the experiences we grew up in mm-hmm. and even some of the people that might be following you from your early childhood and they hear you're like, damn, I went to school with you or I was, how mm-hmm. was your friend then? Yeah. You make it seem like it was terrible. Well, yeah, because you didn't walk my journey. Correct. Right. And so you don't this know. This was my experience. A hundred percent. So you don't, you don't get it from your point of view. You were the inflictor. You weren't the receiver of what was going on. And even your parents, you don't tell them as much. So they hear these things growing up. And now I tell my mom all the time, she'll ask me questions because I'm very open. Right. She'll be like, do you, how do you feel about certain things growing up? I'm like, we're talking about this, right? Yeah. Because there's a lot of unresolved trauma that was grow- like in my home. There's a lot of those things that I took with me. So it, it's good to be able to speak about it now and have people be um, receptive to it, whether mm. it's people that are in your friendship circle or yes. having your family be like, all right. I didn't even know you were going through that in school or damn, this is how you took what we went through in the home. And it's like, yeah, I can just put it into words now. Yeah. And I'm going to articulate it to you because I'm not afraid of like what the outcome is. It was more avoidance then. I think that's so important. Ali and I talked about that a couple weeks ago, just being able to articulate that and tell people like, it's not, I'm not shaming you. I'm not blaming Mm -hmm. you for anything that I may be going through right now, but just know that this thing that happened that you did or didn't do made me feel X, Y, and Z. And it's affected me in my life because of this, just being able to articulate that because people don't know, people 100%. don't know the way that they can, conf- that they, they inflict trauma on you. Exactly. They, you know, they just, for our, our parents, for example, they came here and they really just were trying to survive. Right, they right. had no idea the effects of what they were doing on, on, on us, you know, mm-hmm. as, as adults. So I think it's very important because once they, they're never going to be mad at you for expressing that. They'll just right, be like, right. wow, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't even know. Right. You know, and just being able to bring that awareness mm-hmm. is, you know, you're able to break generational, generational trauma. Correct. Yeah. So true. And you know what it is too? It's interesting because when we look at exactly what you just said, someone growing up in the home, finally being able to articulate certain things. Sometimes it's difficult when, when someone is not receptive or is not ready to admit the part that they had in your possible trauma. Mm, mm-hmm. It's difficult to have that conversation, but yes. you have to let them know, I'm not blaming you. Yes. You, you did the best mm-hmm. with the tools that you had at the time. Correct. And although although you know the trauma maybe that you had from your dad and you didn't pass it down the same way, doesn't mean it didn't manifest itself in Absolutely. other ways. Absolutely. That's, that's the most important piece is that sometimes when you address your trauma, it forces other people to address theirs. And that's... Exactly. It, it, it's, it's painful for them because if it's somebody that if they suppress things or they just never, they just never thought about it as a trauma. They Correct. Just about it yeah. As they didn't something even know that happened was, that was to trauma. them or something, mm-hmm. something they think about it as something that they had to go through to get where they are. And it's like, yes, you could take that. You could look at that and you can say, yes, I, if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be where I am now. But also at the same time, you need to address that pain and you need to address that something did happen there that, that was negative and, and that did have an effect on your life that, it wasn't always positive. And I and we touched on that you you doing the best that you can and, and it's not always, you know, family, it's it's teachers. I you know, yeah, I, sure. I remember teachers mm-hmm. saying that I was too loud or that I was just you mm-hmm. know, just too wasn't much. you, were you just know too, too much, much right, or something. Much. Just not being able to understand mm. you. Yeah. And it's not that you're too much. It's that you're, you're in a setting that doesn't hold you. So an ocean doesn't belong Oof. in a fish tank, right? So right. I think that that's the thing that's so important to remember. And like I said, so many things can manifest in different ways, just like illness 
can manifest in different ways. You either see it differently or you feel it differently. Yep. Not everything is something that you can actually touch or you mm -hmm. can actually, it's not tangible. Yeah. So I think that that's the part that people have a difficult time agreeing with because they, they end up judging themselves mm -hmm. themselves. They're like, well, I, I tried my best not to do it this yeah. way, the way that my parents, and I get that, and 100%. Right. And so you didn't do it that way, but this is the way that you did do it. Mm -hmm. And so we can talk about it now. And so mm -hmm. now it's my responsibility to heal from it after addressing it, yes. to do my work and not to perpetuate that cycle and continue right. that generational trauma. So I can heal you through healing myself also because I'm also relinquishing of you, re relinquishing you of that because I'm not putting the blame on you. Right. And that's something very important, though. Uh, you have to be very recognized what's going on it's, it has to do a lot with self-awareness for you to take on that responsibility for yourself and the other person so for you to grow into that it shows a lot of self-awareness again and knowing who you are and living in your truth because you no longer hold on to that pain in a way that gives guilt for somebody else you right know, and for me that can manifest mm -hmm. in unhealthy ways too because i'm holding on to that and now that's unhealthy and that's creating unhealthy vibrations within me and that can make me sick or make me angry. So that's why when we say forgiveness is for yourself mm -hmm. and the Absolutely. healing is for yourself first and foremost, I really don't think that people understand the power of that. Literally mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. we began this podcast, I had a good friend tell me, um, I understand that you in certain ways might still be hurting. I, I hope that I can find a way to heal you. And I was like, well, your support and your desire to want to do that is enough, yeah. but it's my responsibility to do that. It's not to say that our our tribe is also not important. Yeah. Dur during our healing, to have that support system and yeah. your prayers also are important and mm -hmm. the way that you acknowledge and respect my pain and my healing process is important. You, you supporting me through it is important. It helps. Because when we're right. sick and we can't pray for ourselves, mm. prayer, prayer works, right? Yes. So yes. it is a collective thing, but if it doesn't begin with you and you don't do your work too... There's no amount of work that anyone else can do with you in mind that's going to take and make up for your part of it. Yeah, Correct. I used to tell my girlfriends when they would go through something, I understand that right now you're not in that space, so I'll love you a little extra for yourself mm. while you're loving yourself enough to like meet me and then take the reins. Because it's not my job to do it for you. I'll just help you through the process and I'll give you a little bit of a boost, but you got to do the work. Yeah. Doing the work is so important. And that's a great message for the people who are outside that person may be going through something. It's like, you can't make somebody heal themselves. You can't mm -hmm. make somebody love themselves. Showing that support, yes, great. But at the end of the day, if that person is not ready, they're not ready. And all you can do is be there to support them and show love. You so, can li literally lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink, right? You can give someone all the tools, but if they're not ready and they don't want to do it, what's, what's the point? You can't do anything after right. that. They have to want to be ready to receive the information mm -hmm. and then put it into play. You're spot on. I love that quote. Cat Williams said uh, that. The lead the horse to water, right? <laughs> Next yeah. Friday, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, so it's, it's so true. It's true. And I'm, it's funny because now, these conversations I say all the time, they're conversations of privilege, right? Yeah. There are oh, so yes. Yes, many people that, that will mm -hmm. never have conversations like this. There, there are people in relationships that live together mm -hmm. that have such superficial conversations either because they don't know how to go deeper they're afraid to go deeper they don't know what happens when they go deeper and so everything is literally revolved around a routine and that's the dane that's the dangerousness of routine so it becomes the protocol that you're taught hey how are you how was your day what's going on mm -hmm. and then you talk about the kids and work and so it's usually drama mm -hmm. or the achievement and then <laughs> you see what i did there? and then you talk about the kids and then you really don't talk at all because you're on your phone and then you go to sleep and then you start all over again mm. right and that's a problem so these conversations i feel are so important and i'm so glad that 
three other amazing women decided to come together and make something so cool like this <laughs> because I feel like people don't give it they don't give it enough credit. These Thank conversations you. and these topics enough credit. Yeah, no, I think, you know, and I say this often, it's a luxury to be able to um, understand yourself this way and be able to have these conversations because a lot of people, it's it's really ignorance. You know, we're not taught no. how to have these conversations. We're not exposed to it. It's suppressed. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't tell people that they did you wrong when all they did was try to do the best for you, you know? Those, right. Those kinds of things are frowned upon. It's frowned upon. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's why that's why people going to therapy, people of color having the conversation about going to therapy and and talking about their feelings, it it feels like it's so new, but it's it's not new. And it is something that's common and it is something that should be talked about and it should be practiced because these it's important to speak to people that are qualified to help you, that are qualified to help you put things in perspective, to help you get things done. Whatever your reasons for going to seek help, a counselor, or a psychiatrist, a psych a psychoanalyst, whatever the reasons are, right? You know, you need to when help is available, you need to seek it and be receiving of it. So, it that that's why we, not that not that we're higher professionals or anything like that, but right, we right. are. Still, this is not therapy, but it's therapeutic. It's therapeutic. Right? Right? I had exactly. a coach that taught that's me. Exactly. She said there's yeah. certain, yep. certain things are not therapy. Yeah. But they're therapeutic, therapeutic like yep. dancing, or going to the gym, or having mm-hmm. a conversation with your yes. girlfriends. It works. Or writing it, poetry. These. Yes, All these tools things. are so, yep. so important. If, if we don't utilize them, I think the problem is, is that because unfortunately, in, the, in our first environment, our first, so difference between subconscious and your conscious, right? Your conscious is your creative mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what we speak about now when it comes to like when we're really, you know, being our, speaking in our truth, living in our truth, yes. creating all those things. Our subconscious is everything that we've been conditioned with and all the imprinting that's been done on us by other people, whether it's your teachers, mm-hmm. parents, spiritual advisors, all the people that tried to form right. you into society. And so up until then, we adapt that so much. And I think that the reason, especially like black and Latinos, we don't have these conversations as often is because we're taught growing up that expressing these things makes us ungrateful. Uh-huh. Because it's like, I take care of you, I pay your bills, you live in this house, you have clothes on your back, I do all of this for you, and you're going to tell me that I'm causing you trauma? Right. You're going to yeah. tell me that that's not enough, and I'm, yeah, you do all those things for me. I'm not taking that away from you, mm-hmm. right. but it doesn't mean you're still not abusive mm-hmm. or unhealthy for me mm-hmm. or that what I'm learning here is not okay. And so when we can't have those conversations, people start to be quiet, mm-hmm. and we suppress it, and now we make that agreement that we can't be vocal because then it means we're selfish or we're ungrateful, and then that perpetuates. So yay for us talking about it. Right. And <laughs> know, and going back into that, it's also obviously culturally, when we grow up not even being able to speak about our family problems within the family. Correct. Uh, Nobody outside this house needs to know what's going on. Ooh, no, exactly. The love exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's what going back to what you were saying. So you grow up with this mentality and then when you're growing up and you meet new people who have experience being able to express themselves, they're like, Okay, why aren't you able to tell me when something's wrong? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I've mm. never been in a position where I, I could can. do that mm-hmm. or I could trust someone to do that. That's alien to me. Trust. So, wow. What a yeah. what a big word that people don't understand. <laughs> that safe space that is is or isn't created for us. Like people don't understand when people use words like trust. I'm like, don't use big words that you you are not equipped to like. Correct. You know, do the actions that come along with them or that you don't understand because that is such a big word. And you know what I was going to say earlier? We normalize sometimes things that are so unhealthy or so not okay for us. Okay. They become so normalized. And in some cases, even 
romanticized. Like when your man gets mad at you when he puts his, his arms oh, around your neck. Yes. And then it becomes so normal. And Sorry, so then, I say this all the you time. Me. I say so this all the like, time. And like I said, I'm a walking contradiction, right? Because when I'm in bed, please put all five fingers around my neck. Please but choke me. <laughs> in the I'm middle of the street and when you're trying to tell me what to do, I don't listen and I fucking talk back. So let, don't, you know, and when we see things like that and, and certain reactions that people have, they kind of look at you like, but that's basic, or that's what happens in a relationship. No, no, that's what happens in the relationships that you witnessed growing up, or the ones that you watched in movies or television, and someone told you that that's okay, and it's not okay. It's not okay. And so until we break that cycle and we realize maybe it's not all right for someone to try to control us or mm. abuse us in certain ways, but we don't even see it as abuse. That's you say that to exactly. someone, they're like, you're over-exaggerating. They didn't hit you. They weren't. Th- I'm like, oh, you to weren't you. aware that there's many kinds. To you, to right? You. Like you, you weren't aware. Like so, you don't get to project your definition of what abuse is onto someone else Correct. or diminish what they're feeling because you don't agree. You're right. Because so, so you're invalidating my feelings. Okay, cool. Thanks. Right. And the thing is about this whole conversation is about perspective and how we shift that perspective. And it's right. Like you mentioned earlier about uh, growing up and. Allowing yourself to surround yourself by with different people, and that's what helped you shift your perspective. Mm-hmm. So it's about that also. You ha- you have to take self responsibility to yes. take yourself out of the, your comfort zone and say, mm-hmm. okay, maybe this is what I know, but oh wow, I never thought about it this way. And that's when that shift starts. Mm-hmm. It's it's important because you said when you realize a lot of us don't even know that mm. there is more. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it's, it's about true. putting yourselves in different situations and coming coming um into contact with people who have that luxury and then you're like, Oh shit, wait. Um That's possible? I didn't even know that that was a thing. Maybe right. I need to revisit some of the shit that happened to me or that I do. Right. And you know what it is too. I think a lot of it I think at one point it it becomes People know, but they're afraid of what it means to go there. Mm. So, like, I, I have described myself as saying, I believe I was very conscious and aware from a young age before I had the terms to, like, yes. describe what I felt or what I knew. So, growing up, for example, when I did, you know, CCD, and I did my confirmation, and my family was Catholic, yes, and same. I never resonated with Catholicism. Yes, correct. Right. And okay. so I was always yeah. getting in trouble in CCD by the questions that I was asking that I didn't have any answers. I was always rebellious when it came to it. And then when I started getting older, around like 16, 17, exploring different spiritualities, having questions about different religions and trying to kind of figure out my niche in the in the spiritual world, my family was not receptive. Now they're more, they were more, they were never tolerant. And then they kind of became tolerant. And I feel like now we're more in the stage of acceptance. Because at this point, I'm 33. And if you don't know by now, as my family, that I don't fucking listen. Like, you're <laughs> never just going to get the picture. So when we yeah. used to have that conversation, they took it as a huge disrespect. Yes. Right. That I was saying these things. And I'm like, listen, I appreciate what you tried to instill in me. I respect that this is what you believe. But to me, your faith and your relationship with God is not a tradition. It is not, oh, we always, we always, you know, before Christmas decorating the tree, we play music. It's not a tradition. Your relationship with a higher being Mm. is so much deeper than that. You shouldn't want me, and I hate the word shouldn't. Why would you want me to not have an authentic relationship with God? Why would you want me to disconnect from me just in order to please you? It's a very dangerous mentality. So I was okay with the isolation that came with it. So this is why I say Mm. sometimes we know. We become aware. Yeah, we can talk about this. Yeah, we can take this route. 
but it might mean I'll lose some friends yeah. or I'm not going to be able to hang out with these people as much or I won't be able to go to certain places anymore. And then that's what people are afraid of. Mm-hmm. The, the consequence that comes with the responsibility. So until you're ready to let that go and welcome that, you're always going to stay in the same place. You use the word rebellious. Mm-hmm. And I think that also has to, you know, like it takes a toll on being able to do that because that's what it's seen as. You know, when you do something different than what you've been taught, it's automatically rebellion. You know, it's not just right. you coming into yourself. It's not, you know, you wow, understand yourself point. to a deeper, uh, deeper extent. It is, oh, because you are different, because you're not doing shit the way that I taught you to do it, that is rebellion. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a bigger issue in itself because it makes you feel like I should not be doing this. Mm-hmm. And that's why it takes a little bit longer for some of us, myself speaking, um, to be able to understand yourself on a deeper level because you're taught that it's wrong. Right. 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 Especially as a woman, we're expected to fulfill these certain roles where we're not, we shouldn't question anything. Right. Correct. So for us, re- being rebellious is even more frowned upon than, let's say, our male right. counterparts. Oh, 100%. They don't even, they, listen. There's no <laughs> consequences. There's a whole conversation in There's and of no itself. There's no consequences. Like, yes, 100%. Or, or it's more socially, I don't like conformity or terms mm-hmm. like socially acceptable there's a lot about me that doesn't conform and is not socially acceptable by the definition and the standards of like what is acceptable here yeah in the united states you know it's interesting i had a i had a conversation i do a little side hustle sometimes i do drives like to and from the airport or whatever okay <laughs> and i had this this nice white couple that was retired and we were speaking about a bunch of different things and they i asked them what they used to do for a living and what they retired from they asked me and then because i'm a i mentioned i was a dancer they said, how did you feel about the Shakira and J-Lo football, uh, uh, Super Bowl performance? <laughs> and I was like, and I was trying to see where they went. I was like, well, I think we were definitely used. No black people were going to do it this year. So they went to the next best thing, which is Latinos. Number one, there was a lot of symbolism hidden in there. There was definitely a hidden message. And they right. used us, message? you know, for their agenda. Okay. I was trying to figure out what they were, what yeah, they right, were going right, right. with. They're like, well, what did you feel more specifically about if you felt it was family friendly. And I was like, oh, let's oh. have this conversation. <laughs> you were like, let's do it. Let's, let's do get it. into it. And I was like, well, if we're really going to have the conversation, let's let's have the conversation, yeah? Let's, I said, let's go there. <laughs> culturally, you cannot look at that Super Bowl performance and feel the same way about it. I said, mm-hmm. in our culture, when you're in black and Latino culture, the way that we express ourselves, the way that we move our hips, the way in which we dance, everything being of African descent, yeah? yeah. We move way differently. So what you may feel is socially unacceptable, what you may feel is not family friendly or inappropriate for us is 100% normal. It's part of our culture. There's nothing wrong with it. No we matter teach what a three age year you old are. Dance like that, exactly. Yeah. And I said, so when you're looking at it, you don't understand it firsthand. And so you're looking at it with a different lens than we are. Mm. When to us, there's nothing wrong with it. When I said that, I was very happy that the response was, Wow, that's that that's an interesting way to bring it up. Mm, like right. they were open they were to the open. fact that mm-hmm. I saw it way differently than they did and we were able to have the conversation. So I feel like as long as you're able to respect other people's opinion and at least listen yeah. to it, because yeah, for you, I 100% get why you feel that way. But now mm. you have to understand, we are from a completely different background. We have different races, different cultures involved in the style of dance that you saw. Of course you don't resonate with it. Not right. on a personal level. Yeah. Because you don't know it. That's not what you grew up seeing. That's not what right. you were taught. That's not how you were taught to move. For you, it's vulgar. And those, 
I feel like terms like vulgar and modest and those things are also Ugh, dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because what's modest to me is not modest to a Muslim woman, is not modern, modest to a seven-day Adventist, is not modest to a man. Mm. Yeah. And it's so different. There's not one universal definition yeah, for those words. So how do you break those barriers? I feel like just respect. Dialogue. And listening and being educated on other cultures, you know? But we want to control everything, so white people need to chill. That was the message. White people need to chill, and the podcast is over. No, but what they didn't, what they did there was, I feel like they came from a place of wanting, wanting to, understand. to. Yes. yes, right. So it's just about you being open, taking self responsibility, being open to yes. hear somebody else's perspective, and I feel like. They got the right person that day. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And nothing happens by accident, right? So maybe that was an underlying issue in a conversation they've been wanting to have, but they don't have Latinos in their circle. Or they don't have people yeah. of color in their circle. They don't know dancers. So they're going to view it, like I said, completely differently. You know, what? like a, if you judge, what is the quote? If you judge a fish by its, uh, by its inability to cr- climb a tree, then automatically the fish is always going to fail, right? Mm. So it, if when you meet people, like you said, and you're open and you want to understand, and I gave them the the platform to show that I wanted to explain it. Right. Because sometimes people become so frustrated with the fact that they're just not automatically accepted. Oh, sorry. They're not automatically accepted. They're not automatically understood. They don't want to have yeah. the conversation. Or they feel they're already going to be judged. So they're like, well, I'm not going to waste my time because already you're not going to get yeah, it Yeah, anyway. just they close right. the door. Oh, and they that's don't so talk. important. Um, when people start to feel uncomfortable and they and they close up to you, it's just... It's, it's, it's crazy that when, when you're, you know, these people are there in your car and you, you guys, they have nowhere to go. So they're forced to have this conversation. Not that you were trying to force it on them. Right. But the right. fact that there was nowhere else for them to go and they had to have the conversation, it was important as well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you have the opportunity to, I guess, I guess force is the wrong word, but it kind of is because you can't get away from it. When it's right. staring you in the face and you, it's literally somebody talking to you, having a conversation, and like you can't walk away from them, it's like, well, what are you gonna say? What are you gonna mm-hmm. do in this situation? And it's like, well, I can either receive what they're saying or I can completely break down and completely shut down in this situation. And you know, it, it's so positive that they they that their response was that they were open to receiving what you had to say. In that, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, well, that's your opinion. Oh, well, you know. We don't really care for well, that this, sort of this thing. Well, goes to, this goes to environment mattering, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you if you are trying to... Okay, you, they say you can't heal in the same environment in which you got sick. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to meditate, what are you going to do? You're going to put yourself in a space that you feel is calming and relaxing and is quiet because that's the setting for that. So right. I feel like our environment in which we have conversations also matters. Like, have you ever thought to yourself, like, listen, I'm going to have a difficult conversation with my partner. Maybe I'm not going to do it while he's driving. Absolutely. Right. Because yes. we don't know how someone's going to react to Let's do this. Or exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. like you said, or when you're in that setting, you can't like run. Mm-hmm. Right. So, when you're in that setting, in that specific instance, like you said, I wasn't trying to force it upon them. And they broached the conversation. Mm-hmm. But you have nowhere to run. So, guess what? You, you don't have all those extra options, which is to walk away, yep. which is to make an excuse, which is to avoid mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. your only option. Like you said, whether you are open to receiving the information and do something with it is something else entirely, but you are literally forced to address it. You're, right. you're there. And the only other option is, well, we're, we're either going to have this conversation or we're not, mm-hmm. but you can't do something else to avoid. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the big right. conversation uptown now is there's no hookah. 
Yeah, well, now it forces you to engage because you can't hide behind a manguera. And you can't, right. you can't not socialize. Yeah. So they couldn't not have that conversation with me, you know? They right. could have respectfully asked me to stop, and I probably would have been like, okay, and that's your decision. Mm-hmm. You're not ready for it? You're not ready for it. But like you said, they, they were presented with another choice. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I can't run, yeah. so now I can talk about yep. it. Let, let's try to talk about it. We didn't make it uncomfortable for one another. Mm-hmm. They were open. Right. And I was respectful enough to be like, you you feel this way because you don't get it. Yep. Right. You felt like it was that because you didn't understand. Right. And now they're like, oh. But you took lens. it as that's your duty cool. to enlighten them. And that 100%. that's the whole, we talked about this when we talked about what, what we've been talking about for Black History Month, where people are using the, their platform to bring awareness and to talk about these uncomfortable situations. It's not our duty as people of color to educate you on your ignorance. You have to be seeking this information and be opening, Correct. open right. to dismantling that system and open to saying, hey, this is wrong. I understand. I benefit from this. I you know, I understand that my system of thinking allows me to benefit from this. Let me go and do something different from that. Just because I had the opportunity to receive a different perspective and to understand that perspective as well. Right. Right. So that's something actually I was going to talk about. Well, I was going to say earlier was that you came from a place of understanding. So from Mm -hmm. a place of love. Because you could have easily... Yes. Yes. Clap back. Right. Well. Well. What you mean? What you trying to say by that? What you trying to say? That welcoming or that off-putting, you feel that. So how many times do we say it's not what you say, it's how you say Mm -hmm. it? So I didn't make the energy in the car uncomfortable. My frequency was not in Mm -hmm. a negative space. I wasn't vibrating. Correct. You know, at a low level, I was vibrating at a very high level because... I like uncomfortable conversations. <laughs> I, like I that do shit, this. You know? like, let's talk about Crap. it. Kick the door wide open. A, let's psh, go. I have arrived. <laughs> On some the Kool-Aid man shit. Yo, you feel me? I'm, <laughs> I'm repairman, man, man. You're repair your lack of enlightenment, right? So I think that that's the cool thing. Like we we okay, they say, like I said, what do they talk about when it comes to your plants? Your plants oh, yes. can make your environment better, right? No, so but you can't talk negatively to your plants and like expect them to take care of you in return. They did an experiment with that where they spoke really pr- beautiful things to one plant and they spoke negative comments to another. And the other plant didn't grow, it didn't thrive, and right. it ended up dying. Yeah. Wow. And the other right. one ended up growing beautiful and being green and lush and strong. For you to say that you don't think that your environment no, affects you is crazy. It's the saying, it's a... Uh, when a flower doesn't bloom, you don't blame the flower. You change its environment. Right. Snap. We snap We don't here. have like a little snap thing that can, make, can, that can make a really loud clap. <laughs> Cue the <Yeah>. clap. <laughs> oh, Side note, I think, um, I think your podcast should be the conversations that you have on these drives. Wouldn't that be a cool one? Yeah. You know how yeah. they do that singing, <laughs> that singing drive thing? This one will be like Oh, the yeah, like carpool karaoke. Like the, the uncomfortable conversation car. We can call it that. <laughs> We're going to talk about everything. Like, hey, how you feel about gay people? I'm not even going to sex you. <laughs> I'm not even going to warn people. Hey, do you like black and Latinos? They're going to be like, what is that? Where am I? No. A little bit, a little bit more tact than that. But I agree that would be a really cool one. Nah, I'm trap them, set them up, knock them down, them <laughs> expose them. You know how like you have a warning sign on your property, like warning, dog present. Like, warning, <laughs> we're gonna talk about uncomfortable shit. Right. Uh, th- that's super cool that you girls are, like I said, creating this platform for other people to have conversations about things that either maybe the the listeners are not privy to, like yeah. you said, it's their responsibility to seek the information. But what I wanted to say about when she was talking about, you know, dismantling your own beliefs and seeking it out, mm. 
How do you convince someone that that's what they quote unquote should be doing when one, they don't know any better, two, mm. they weren't privy to it, and three, they're so convinced that what they learned is right? Why would I seek a counter counter opinion or yeah, look for anything I mean. else when I? So if you, that's where you have to start. You have to unlearn everything you've ever been taught before. Right. Question everything you've ever been taught before and think, I should relearn it again. Yeah, I appreciate what these mentors, advisors, parents tried to do for me, but I'm going to unlearn it and I'm going to see what really resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Not just what I was con- conditioned to do, think, say, believe. What, what, is it, what resonates with me for real? Because just like you can teach someone hate, you can teach them how to love, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You never right. see two little kids in any way, shape, or form have any, talk about color, talk about anything until a, a child is abil- has the ability to retain memory, information, you know, mimic actions. Mm-hmm. They don't mimic what they don't see. Mm-hmm. So if Correct. you let them thrive and be in their environment, I saw this thing on Instagram once and it was this little, this little white boy, this little black boy, and they said they got the same haircut because they didn't want the teacher to be able to tell them apart. That's yeah, right. that's so cute. That. So I love that. So you understand? Isn't that so beautiful? Mm-hmm. Like, and what do we think as adults? The first thing we're like, well, he's black, <laughs> right? So I gotta can't, look the same. Oh, how sweet! Right, right. They don't, they don't even know that the skin color would be what yeah. differentiates Come them too. Now. We think like that. They didn't even cross their mind. Yeah. So what we do to kids, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So yes, I'm not saying yep. be blind to color. Melt my Acknowledge heart. it. Acknowledge it, respect cultural differences, respect the difference between races, but it should be a a tool for communication, for understanding, for getting to know it, for wanting to connect with it, from learning from it, and not something that just automatically creates some type of segregation. Mm. But it's so beautiful. So what do we do? We mess up our kids. As much as people don't want to admit that, even people that are not, you know, teaching them purposely bad things, we have a tendency to be the vehicle for what messes up your kids right right which is what we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. and that's why we're cutting that out out of we're, life we're stopping we're, we're having all the babies that learn all the things the right way sorry mom and dad no, i'm just kidding yeah, no, <laughs> you're not kidding that's what we're doing right huh? tell us how you real really feel about it. <laughs> no i had great parents i had very supportive in that way i had very supportive parents um i had parents that gave me things that they never had both my right. all, both sets of my grandparents were immigrants my father was an immigrant they came to this country. My mom and my dad, they grew up very poor. They made something of themselves. They worked really hard with a lot of tenacity. They went after what they wanted, and they instilled that in me, tried their best to give me a lot of the things they didn't have, like brownies and Girl Scouts and dance classes right. and all those things, because they didn't have the money yeah. for it to be given to them, you know? And they didn't take it out on us, which I think, unfortunately, happens a lot mm. in black and Latino culture. It's a little bit of competition, yeah. a little bit of envy. Well, I didn't get it, so you're not getting it. Oh, and yes. they didn't give wow. that. You yes. know what I mean? But still, I had to earn it. I had to respect it. I wasn't going to be able to like shit on my parents or be disrespectful and I still get to enjoy these luxuries because that's right. what they that's are what they in are. essence. So I, I did have a lot of support and openness in that way until, like I said, those certain sensitive topics that they were like, wait, how we raised you? Unresolved yeah. trauma? Religion? Those yeah. can't be off limits. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> those are the ones I want to talk about the most. So now right. they 100%, I want to say, accept me. Okay. They might not agree, but they accept me and they don't tolerate me. And, and tolerate is so a very important. negative word. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we kind of touched upon that last week when we were talking about Zaya um, and how a lot of times we were talking about, you know, people coming out. But mm-hmm. in general, when someone comes to you and I'm like, this is, this is who I am. Right. And we don't always take the responsibility to understand. We mm. say okay, but we don't dive into what that really means and how, how do I... How do I be 
mm-hmm. with you, with you. You know, right. it's not just okay, you're gay and mm-hmm. that's it. It's okay, like how now? How do we become right. us with right. this new information? Right. How do we call it something? Now that we know something we know. You, really important that you t- you said right now is we. What yeah. we do a lot though is when that's, these things happen, you. we're very selfish. It's about us. How does that affect me? You right. telling me that this traumatized you. Wow, what does that say about me? When it's yep. nothing to do with it's you. Not about it's you. nothing. Yeah. It's not about you. Right. So, Zaya, it's not about the world. It's about how this child feels, who yeah. they are. When we're talking about you telling your parents X, Y, and Z, it's not about I'm blaming you. It's about you. No, it's just like this was my experience. Let's talk about it. So it's about taking yourself out of the equation yes. and listening to the other and becoming a we as opposed to an I, like thinking about I. So that's, yeah, that's something like, I guess we are learning, right? Like our generation before, parents didn't think about it that way because we're privileged to be able Mm -hmm. to think about ourselves Mm -hmm. in this way. So, yes, look at us, growth. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Growing and glowing. And we we do that a lot with with people just in general. Let's just say you have a friend that you're used to speaking to every day. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, you you didn't call me for two days. And you did this and that. And it's like, well, you know, I was going through something. Or I wasn't feeling very well. And it's like, yeah, but I... It's not about you in that moment, though. It's about them. They just shared something with you, and now you're kind of acknowledging Mm -hmm. it, but then you're also dismissing me. I hear you. I hear you. But, well, what about me? Well, nothing about you, actually, in this moment. Like, (laughs) what do you mean? Like, I respect how you feel, and I understand, like, you know, that you felt that way. You're used to speaking to me every day. But, again, this was my experience. Mm -hmm. This is what I needed. This is what I was going through. And because I'm doing life with you, I want to give you the, that love and I want to explain to you why. Like, but you don't, I don't owe it to you. Like, and you're making it about you more than me. We have to stop doing it. Yeah, I think we're right. just naturally just self-absorbed beings. And mm. I think, you know, when you do the work, when you have that training, when you have that exposure, that's when you realize, oh, not everything's about me. And, you know, it's not even on a narcissistic level. Right, right. It's just that you're, you only have your perspective at all times. So you should be like, Psst, 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 Evie used to text me, text me fucking every morning. Now she texts me at 11 a.m. You know, right. it's just like, you know, something like so simple like that. And you're just like, the fuck? Right. But then you're just like, okay, well, maybe I started a new job and I just, I wake up later than I did before. Exactly. So now, I, you know, like just little things that like, you're just like so stuck in your head about simple mm-hmm. shit. Projecting it onto the other person. Yeah. No, noted. Yes. Noted. <laughs> yeah. I'm, no. <laughs> She's like, you know, you text me to tell me this. <laughs> But now, um, let's talk about let's talk about dance. You were talking about dance, yes. and um, so you started dancing at a young age. Mm-hmm. I started dancing when I was four. I classically trained, which is you know flamenco, ballet, tap, jazz, lyrical, until I was fourteen. Then I had a choice to make between activities uh, for time purposes and also for money purposes, and I chose to go with sports. I was a triathlete until I graduated uh, high school, and then I played volleyball in college. So as far as dance. Training, I want to say maybe from 14 until what I'm 33 now, maybe I've taken, I'm going to say 20 just to cover all bases. I don't think it's been that many like dance classes, but I stopped training it that way. I was training myself after that Mm -hmm. or learning through friends, learning through watching videos, practicing myself. Now when I get booked for something, I'll be with dancers who have trained way longer, way harder, taking more classes, but I wanted to still learn. So I take the time to teach myself. And, you know, like, because I do have that training and because I do have rhythm and stuff like that, it's been cool. I became a teacher 
advanced, I feel, before. Like, you know when when you apply for the job and you get it and then you learn right. how to do the job? Yeah. Yes, when you lie on your resume. <laughs> that was you, yeah, that was you. you lie on your resume. I was the cat that was like, I'm definitely a lion. And then I got it and I was like, all right, so how do so you I- growl and grow the mane and get way freaking bigger than you are? So that challenge, right. but I've, I've always been that way. If I want something, I'm going to figure it out. Even right. if I get it first, I'll figure it out mm-hmm. while I'm doing it. I'll prepare as much as I can, but I'll, I'll definitely make sure that I get it. You'll get it done. Right. Yeah, so I started dancing. I started teaching when I was in college. I was teaching Tessa Menning de Bachata. Mm-hmm. Then I, I moved back to Jersey from uh, Pennsylvania, which is where I went to school first. I started taking salsa classes. And then after that, I decided to create my own company. I didn't want to work for anyone anymore. So I made the company three years ago. But before that, I decided I didn't want to work for anyone. So I started dancing in the nightlife. Okay. So dancing became the way that I was making my money. Yes, right. I love what I do, and I love connecting with people, and I love performing, but in reality, I want to say that the biggest thing that dance has been for me over the last 10 years is my livelihood. It's mm-hmm. how I pay my bills. It's how I save money. It's how I do the other things that I want to do. Right. So I love, I love to do Yeah, I'll always dance no matter what, whether it's in my living room, whether it's in the kitchen while I'm cooking, mm-hmm. whether it's I go to the club and I leave sweating right. with all my makeup ruined. But I, 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 love, I love to dance, but... Uh, Mm, okay. okay. Oh, okay. But wait, there's <laughs> more. But wait, there's, there's more. multiple streams here. <laughs> That's what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, secure the bag, all of them. <laughs> so okay, so another thing that you do, yeah. we're talking about this more, is is your writing. How how long have you been writing? Um, because from what I know, you do mm-hmm. performance performance writing. Yes. So I started writing poetry when I, I used it as an outlet to deal with the trauma I was going through when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. So I used to write, um, I don't know if you would call them journal entries. I guess kind of that's what they were. Free writes. Yes. Free writes. There we go. I used to free write and I used to write some poetry. Um, when I started when I was in middle school, the first time I ever took a stab at spoken word, I believe I was 21. I did it for a class. It was, it was okay and it was good for my first time, but I didn't really touch it for a few years after that. Sure. And then maybe five or six years ago. I really started to write, perform it in public. Yeah. And then, you know, going through my own thing in the past, like, couple years, it took me about, oh, man. I, I, I didn't perform for, I would say, a good two years, maybe. And now mm-hmm. this last year, I kind of just been on fire. Right. And I haven't stopped. Yes. So try me now. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't go anywhere anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw you perform live for your birthday. And mm-hmm. that was, mm-hmm. yeah, I was like, yes. And actually, my cousin follows you. And um, I told her that you were going to be in the podcast. She was like, oh, my gosh. And she said that you're very sweet and very nice. And you always respond to her, even though you have a lot of followers. I do and, my best, man. Yeah, no. Sometimes. Yeah. I feel like I didn't No, but I'm just saying, like, you touch a lot of people. And, like, I just want you to know that, like, your words are powerful. So keep doing your thing. We're rooting for you on this end. And like people that I didn't even know followed you, we're like, yeah, I follow her. I, I love her work. So you're doing the damn thing. <laughs> it's just a matter of time before that doubles up. For sure. You know, you heal through art and you heal yes. others through art. And as a writer, and I know that you know this, yeah. our writing is so personal to us. Yeah. Right. But it, it's not necessarily meant just for us. Mm. So it, it's interesting to see, like, you know your work is, like, good or comes from a powerful place because it's your own experience and you feel people can relate. And then you hear someone give you feedback or how it touched them. And you're like, holy shit. If I had kept this to myself, right? right. how many people I would have done a disservice to Correct. because what God gives you is not just, for again, you. speaking for myself because I have a belief in a higher being. Is, is not just for us. 
It's for other people. It's for the betterment of other people. I'm convinced that our purpose is not only what we're good at and what we enjoy, but it's rooted in giving back. Mm -hmm. So how can I use the talents that I've been blessed with to bless the world in return? Mm -hmm. So I only, I don't owe anyone anything except for Mm. God and myself, the fulfillment of my purpose, which in turn is in favor for others. So as much as it's for no one, it's for everyone. Yeah. Right? So the writing writing for sure, I feel like my words are not meant to be kept to myself. So that's actually what I was going to ask you. Like, how has um, sharing your art and, you know, dancing in these places and and performing in these places, speaking in these places, how has that helped root you in who Erica is? Oh, it's been, like I said, remember how we said that certain things are not therapy, they're therapeutic. Mm. It's been nothing short of therapeutic it's been another another avenue for me to connect with people and i i love connecting with others we're already connected yes but it's different to know you're connected and then it's different in the the connections that we that we nurture when it's you know our village the people that we're doing life with and stuff like that you know what i mean mm. so i feel like it's rooted me in not only being able to take care of myself and heal myself but i've seen so many what I'll call maybe reoccurring themes, like my tribe, the women in my life, for example, have all been second chances at my younger self when I didn't Ooh. know what I knew now. So it's funny because like, or it's not funny, it's, in, it's so interesting. I don't believe in coincidences. And I do believe that everything happens for, for a reason. It's mm-hmm. all, you know, woven with like this super awesome strategy and you can either accept it or you can avoid it. And I feel like I've accepted it 100%. So like I said, the women in my life, I've seen certain experiences that I went through and I was like, okay, what would I have told my younger self? Mm. Or how would I have received my younger self? Who could I have been, who can I be to them that I didn't have someone being to me when I was going through it? And don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean that I haven't gone through things after. You know, I had a good 10 right. years of not going through shit and then I was like, let me fuck up again. <laughs> One <laughs> Just more time, to make sure <laughs> that I had it right this the time. first time, yeah. You know, so like I, I recently went through something difficult in the past, I would say like two, two and a half years and it kind of, it was great because I saw the effect that all the work that I had done before that did. And now I obviously saw the work that I needed to revisit. So just like briefly, briefly, because I think this is important and I'm like moved yeah, to no, share it. I went through a very unhealthy and abusive in every sense of the word relationship from 16 to almost 23 years old. And when I did my healing after that, I really dove deep into my healing. I didn't use substances to heal. I didn't use people to heal. I didn't use the next man or the next relationship to heal. I did. My inner work, my meditating, my praying, my reading, my writing, my crying, my addressing, I did all of it. Mm-hmm. And then the woman I become, like I said, became, like I said, that was able to assist other women when I went through this new trauma that I was going through that I didn't know at the time was going to be a trauma, just for, just for the heck. Mm-hmm. Kind of took me by surprise. Um, when I didn't know, when I went through certain things, I was so grateful that I had healed from what I went through before because... Certain things during this time around didn't happen. So, for example, yeah, I went through hurt and pain, and maybe I, maybe I um, let certain boundaries be be tested a little bit, or maybe I bent in certain ways. But the way in which I felt about my, I feel like it was more my understanding that did that, and my my over ability to understand and be compassionate, uh, and then wow, realizing yeah. a, a year and eight months in, oh, I'm this is me being Enabling. patient with myself. Because I remember what this individual is going through and how it manifested in my life. And, oh, I was also kind of saving my dad from his unhealthy relationship with my mom when I was growing up. Which, by the way, they're still together and they're way better now. So many but you layers. Understand? So, so many would, layers. You feel me? There were so many layers to peel back. But I was so grateful that I didn't look at it and ever blame myself. Mm. 
feel differently about myself during the process where when I went through the first relationship, I thought, what am I missing? What am I lacking? What is it about me? What did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. What could I have done differently? What was wrong with me? And in this situation, I didn't have, I used to tell him straight up, like the reason that we can still converse like this is because I take nothing that you do personally. I don't Mm. blame myself for any of your actions. I don't feel less like an incredible individual no matter what your inability has has manifested in how you've treated me. And so that I'm grateful for. Because even though I went through it, I didn't go through it the same mm. as when I was younger. Mm-hmm. How I feel about myself didn't waver. Now it became, hey, we're going to make sure that we are a little stronger with our boundaries, right? And we can be understanding. And now that you know that it's you dealing with you and dealing with your dad, this is how we can take care of it. This is how we can adjust. Or this is how we can set super strong boundaries and now maybe you don't have a place in my life or the same right. mm. but that core work that I did I think that that's the most important because my bounce back ability yes. was so much better right. so much healthier you know mm. wow I'm very like yeah you should be very proud of you so I'm proud of you like, <laughs> just, like, I'm like so proud of you right now just listening to the story because it, like this should be this this whole month I think it should be called an OD to fearless women because mm. that's Oof. That's really what you're uh, demonstrating by telling us the stories and what you demonstrated throughout your life was being fearless, not only in being fearless uh, as to confronting yourself and your own traumas, yes. but realizing that, hey, how can I push myself further? Right. So, so shout out to you, man. Thank That's, you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. That, like, thank you for sharing, too. Absolutely. You know? Because it, it, I know, obviously, you're on here to share yourself with us and with everybody listening, but you don't have to share certain things. So right. for you being open to do so, thank you for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for being open to receiving. <laughs> and being, giving me a loving space to feel yeah. good and do so. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Of course. Okay, so we're talking about doing the work and, mm-hmm. and sharing that, and your talents aren't for you, they're for other people. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what the work that you're doing now. The spiritual work or the, the work work? So this, this is, oh, this is fun. So I went through what I went through. Um, I had a couple very low points in um, the healing of it where I was stunted. My creativity was stunted. I wasn't able to write. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had just actually said that um, I put it on my story that I just did a piece for a friend of mine today who wanted me to do a spoken word piece to a contemporary dance piece she was doing. So we chose, chose an awesome Lena Barras song. We used the instrumental. It's very difficult for me to sit down and make the decision to write. Mm-hmm. Most oh my of my poetry God. has come from God. Oh my God. I'm driving. I'm about to fall asleep. And you hear the line in your head. Yeah, d- this literally happened to me two nights ago. I was like, wait a minute. I got to write it out because I'm going to forget it. Because I often think I'm going to remember it. I was like, I'll remember it in the morning. And I, and I always forget. So I was like, oh, nah, I need to write it I've down. I've done a couple of those and lost a couple yeah, of Yeah, no, man. a real good one. So I need to write it down. But that's something that I struggle with. I don't know how to write when I'm not inspired. Right. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, that's something that I always get on myself with. I, I don't remember what the who the quote is from, but it's, if you only write when you're inspired at best, you'll be a, a decent poet. Mm. Um, so I always get on myself Ooh, that because I, like I have to practice. That. You know, I really want to practice making myself Intentional writing. writing. Yes, I intentional like, writing. You know, I'm a very intentional person in general, and, and because of that, I had to address certain things within myself. So I feel like I live in a constant state of gratitude. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. a difference to live in a state of gratitude and then set aside time for to gratitude. express the gratitude. Correct. So you know what I'm saying? Like to make that conscious decision that every night before I go to bed, I'm going to meditate and pray. Or yes. every morning when I wake up, I'm going to verbalize what I'm grateful for. Not just that I know that in an experience, internally, I, I feel the gratitude. And the way in which I project that in the way that I act and treat others yes. is, you know, portraying that. 
but it's important to, I feel, set aside the time. So this was a challenge for me, yeah, my friend same. asking me to do this. So at one point, I, I kind of got into the flow of things. The music helped and everything, and then I kind of left it. And then after like a week or so, I revisited it, and I was able to write the rest. Mm. So because it, it, most of my poetry, or I want to say like all of the spoken words that I've done up until this point that people like know me for, quote yes. unquote, has come from what I feel is just like a message. And yeah. it's like, hey, girl, this is, the, this is the one. I one time wrote, like, the TMI. Yes. I didn't even think. I just wrote. Yeah. And mm. when I was done, I was like, get the fuck out of here. I read it back, and I'm like, did I just <laughs> write like, that? I was like, damn, oh, this, this is fucking good. Like, damn, I didn't even know. Like, like, Shonda Rhimes, who? Right. Like, Not only did I feel now, like it was good, I but did you, did you feel me? I don't know if you've ever done it, which is super bad to say, but like, have you ever been driving and you get lost in thought and then you're like four miles down the road and you're, and you're like, like, I don't how know how I the fuck here? I got here. It was that. It was looking that at the poem and work. I'm like, damn, what time is it? Oh, I, okay. Right. I it. Well, that's, that's when our, so this is the beauty of it. And I just watched a documentary that I would recommend you ladies watch called Heal on Ooh. Netflix. And it talks about how when you're in, when you're multitasking, and using your subconscious and your conscious mind at the same time, you could be doing something creative or having a, a conversation with a person and then your subconscious mind, which is the thing, like your motor skills, everything yeah. that you've developed up until now, are they're on autopilot. Yes. Mm. So that's, that's the, cool, the cool thing. And I felt like that's what it was. Like my body was on auto, autopilot because I know what I'm, what I'm, what what I'm doing. Type. I know how to type. But my creative mind took over so much so that I didn't realize my yeah. subconscious mind kicked in. So when I was scrolling and I saw this poem, I'm like, get the hell mm -hmm. out of here. Like, I didn't even right, breathe. Right. I didn't feel like I blinked through the whole thing. And then I read it back. I'm like, oh, shit. Thank That's you. That's beautiful. He was like, that was fire or whatever. Yes. <laughs> was, and so, you know, my creativity was a little bit stunted. Mm -hmm. um, I, because... When I started going through what I was going through this time around, my friends said something that was very real. And a couple of them were like, I don't know how to be there for you mm. during this time because you're always the one that's there for us. Isn't and so, it so hard being the strong friend? You know what I'm saying? And they're like, so how do you teach the guru, so to speak, when in reality, I am as much student as I am teacher, yeah? Mm. But they also, tenían razón, like they had a reason to feel that way because... I was never, I have a tendency to heal alone. Mm. And if I'm going through something therapeutic with my friends, yeah, we talk about things and we confide in each other and stuff like that. But right. I was never one to say out loud, I'm not okay. Mm. So I do think it's important to heal on your own. But then, like I said, to also utilize your support system, which is very yes. valuable and very important. This was the first time around that I was able to say, I'm not okay. Mm. But it was also the first time, I think, or the first time in a long time that I got okay with not being okay. And that changes everything. Yeah. So there was a, a point where I couldn't open the windows or the blinds in my own apartment. Mm -hmm. I, I was in a space that was supposed to be a space for two, and then it was a space for one. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing but reminders. And I didn't do, I remember, I live in Yonkers, and there's this cool-ass little, like, wave pool and situation that you can go if you're a Westchester County member. Yeah. And I remember that it was August of the first mm. year I had lived there, and it was the first time that I went. I'm like, I, it's right, right. there. Right. That's crazy that it's the first time that you've gone. Or when's the last time you went, went outside and it was like daylight outside. So I, was, yeah. I went through it for a while. Yeah. And like I said, on top of that, my, my creativity was stunted. I still always, in a way, kept a positive attitude and felt like I was doing a service to my friends by withdrawing from them. Because I'm like, look, mm -hmm. I'm not well. And so I don't want to bring my negative energy upon you. 
but I think maybe I withdrew a little too much and they also withdrew a little bit too much. So for them who are still all in my life, it was great to be able to visit those conversations and us both being able to recognize, I'm like, listen, I understand how you miss me during that time. And I know that you were trying to be there at a certain point and then I wasn't really receptive to it because I felt so much I needed to be alone. And thank right. you for also recognizing that maybe you pulled away a little bit too much and kind of stopped checking on me and this and right. that. So we were able to work through that as of right now. And especially in the last four months, the biggest changes that I've made is being more conscious of making sure that I'm praying and meditating daily. There's been a couple of times where I've been so tired of falling asleep or whatever, but in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to pray when I lay down. So I'm like, we're kind of halfway there, right? Right. But most nights I pray <laughs> and or meditate before I go to sleep. I started something called True Body Intelligence a month and a half ago. Okay. I met this guitarist at an open mic that I did. I went through, you know, this, when I ended the relationship, my last relationship that I was in, I threw myself into my work. And I'm like, it's not going to happen what happened last time where I can't open the blinds and I'm stuck in my apartment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the work differently this time. I'm still going to give respect and acknowledge the feelings as they come. I'll deal with it when I deal with it, but I'm also not going to allow it to affect everyday life. And I'm going to address it, but I'm not going to live there. And that's right. what I ended up doing. And I know better. So now it's time to, like, again, practice what I preach because I had realized I had relapsed in that from my healing. So the long, right. the long and short of it is that I met this, uh, this guitarist and I, he was so good. I wanted him to come to my birthday. Mm -hmm. And so when I asked him for his bio, he gave me like the full bio and mentioned that he also does true body intelligence. And I became very intrigued. And so what it is, it was created 15 years ago. It takes a bunch of different aspects of different Chinese medicine and it puts it all together in a form of healing. Mm -hmm. So I have one-on-one -on -one sessions with what I'll call, he's my guide right now. He's one of my spiritual advisors and we'll do certain um, stretches together that involve, like, for example, if I have one, I'm laying on the floor on my back, I have one knee bent on the floor for balance, and the other one is straight. Yeah. Now he's taking his hand, he's pushing down on my leg, and now I that, against that resistance, I have to push forward. So it, in some way, we are doing some type of exercise, and the biggest part of this is recognizing that we carry stress in our muscles and in our body. Oh, absolutely, mm -hmm. yeah. So when we're going through something and we're angry, we can feel the tension in our face, mm -hmm. feel it. Yeah. But when we go through emotional and generational trauma, we also carry it in our muscles. Yes. So he calls it the process of turning grapes into wine. Once, you, once grapes become wine, they'll never be grapes again. So he has this walker. Some things are that I'll lay, let's just say, on my stomach, and he will be stepping and kneading my hamstrings right. or my okay. calves. And because, yeah, I'm sore sometimes from the gym, I can actually differentiate the difference between the pain that I'm feeling because I'm sore wow. and the pain yes. that I feel because it's I'm pain because the, then yes. it evokes emotion. So my first right. session with him, I felt a sense of frustration. And of course, you're taught to focus on your breathing. Yeah. He tells you when it gets to like a seven or eight on a scale of 10, on a, on a pale scale of, uh, pale, pain scale of 10, when it gets to a seven or eight, start doing kind of like Lamaze breathing, like a to try to breathe through it and so also address what emotions are coming to you so i was very frustrated mm. at first i thought i was frustrated because of the pain and then i realized i was frustrated and thinking of all the things in my life and in the the relationship i just left and every the frustration that came from that then i got angry and then i started crying i cried the entire rest of the session and i had told them straight up i'm like listen i'm a very open person so this right. is not going to be, we're not easing into this. Mm -hmm. Like I'm open. It probably takes you a while to crack a few eggs. I'm not the not one. Me. I came scrambled already, honey. So we're going to do this. <laughs> so I cried. I sobbed the rest of the session. And I'll never forget. He asked me after we were done doing that portion, took a break. I walked back and forth. 
He told me to stand grounded firmly and give me the first three words that came to my head. Mm. And I said, sad, stable, grounded. He's like, well, you was grounded. And I, and I thought, and I paused for a good 30 seconds. And I'm like, can I say sad again? Mm. And he was like, yeah. And so like, I haven't repeated a word since. I don't think I've used, I don't even think I used sad since. Not that I don't have my moments, but he taught me that, you know, once you take out physically from the muscle, the trauma that you've been holding, it'll never come back. So anything else that goes back into the muscle will have to be new New trauma trauma. or a new 33 years of stress Mm -hmm. that I have. I feel that difference because I train really hard and I started training extra hard lately. And I don't feel sore the same. My stretches are different. My body, my hips are more open. And at first, I was a little bit privy to this because in yoga, they teach you, you carry a lot of emotion in your hips. Mm -hmm. And what he was teaching me is you kind of have three cores. So we think our core is our stomach. In reality, it's from our thighs to to our chest. So we say we have three cores because the core of your upper half would be here to here. Yeah. Up from from your chest to like the middle of your abdomen. The core of your middle of your body would be middle of your abdomen until your thighs. And then the core of of your bottom of your body is is basically all your quads. Like, yeah, quads and hamstrings. So he's done work on my quads, my hamstrings. He's done some in, in my neck. He's done my calves. I have a lot of scar tissue built up from physical trauma in my calves, which I feel vastly different now. But in the overall... In this last month and a half, because I've been dedicated to the work, he gives you like homework, which now instead of calling it homework, I call it practice. I do practice before I go to sleep. It used to be the same, and now I alternate every night. It's either a series of stretches or me doing that counter work, me against myself, that resistance, and then repeating body of light phrases. Hmm. So for example, I can repeat after one of them, body, experience all the concentration that I am through and into all the concentration that exists. And I'll repeat it a certain number of times that he's taught me. And every time I go back, we work on something different. We add something different. He just gave me a bath to do the other day that I just went to Trader Joe's yesterday and bought all the ingredients. <laughs> so it's been, a, it's been a lot of value. So it, it's basically, it tells you that your physical and your mental, which again, he tells you this, how the human psyche and your physical health are so connected. Right. So, so like I said, when we go through a trauma, whether it's a physical trauma, an emotional trauma, a mental it's trauma, we hold it in our muscles. We yeah. hold it in our body, in our face, and it creates pain. Yeah. And if you, if you agree with the ideology that all or most disease comes from stress. Yes. And comes from the way that we view life and handle problems. This work that I've been doing has been incredible. So not only has it been, have I been holding myself accountable to doing my work with my guide, I hold myself accountable and I do my, my practice every single night. On top of that, I'm making sure that I'm not like falling subject to what I went through before. Mm. I acknowledge the feelings. I sit with them. I visit them. But I'm not, like I said, living there. Yeah. So I've been putting myself in more open mics. I've been writing more. Even if I don't finish what I'm writing, an idea, I make sure that I write it down and I don't say what we said to ourselves, which is, oh, I'll remember it later yeah. because right. probably you I won't. won't. <laughs> I make sure that I'm very on top of my fitness and my health, which even sometimes during that time was going away a little bit. Mm, so I'm right. staying on top of all of it. And it feels really good to, to make sure that you're practicing what you preach. And yeah, it's, it's okay when you have your moments and certain things happen, but how long you stay there is completely, completely up to you. So yeah, it feels, it feels good, man. I'm doing way better. Like I said, not to say that all the pain is gone, all the trauma is resolved, 
but I, I live, like I said, in a state of gratitude and now I'm honoring that more. And I also strongly believe in forgiveness. Mm. And so right. the last person that I forgave, I told them I'm forgiving. Here are the reasons that forgiveness is so beneficial. And I said, not only is it mainly for me, but I also get to release you because you don't owe me or anyone else who you right. were when you did that to me. Mm. And so it makes it easier for you to move on and for you to grow from it and you to release it and become and do better, hopefully. And I feel like when we're hurt, unfortunately, a lot of people have the mentality, and I'm grateful that I don't have this, that we want them to suffer the same as us. Or we're like, well, I'm not going to forgive you yet until I'm done feeling what I'm feeling. Or you should feel what you feel longer than me because I was the one that got hurt. And it's not like that. There's that selfishness thing. And I try to tell people all the time. And when he, when he was like, I'm thank you. I'm so glad that you, you know, forgave me. I don't deserve it, but I'm grateful for it. I had to also remember the boundary part. I'm like, right. It doesn't, necessarily mean re-entry correct at least not now or it doesn't let you off the hook for what you've done to me but i am also putting us both in the position that we can take our healing to the next level Mm. that we don't have to keep revisiting this same problem to keep talking about the same thing we already had the conversations now we're taking the steps like i said hopefully you'll do better right and that's great not just for your for yourself first right and for everyone else that is affected by your behavior Right. And hopefully we don't perpetuate that. And now me, like I said, too, in order for me to heal, I had to make sure, like I said, that I implemented certain boundaries, no matter how difficult. And I'm in a way better space now because of it. And something that you talked about a lot was connection, connecting to yourself, your trauma, your Mm -hmm. body. Mm -hmm. Even these next 30 days that you're doing this challenge, that's going to heal a lot because... Even, I know, I'm just going to throw a little veganism in there. But yes. even that, not eating, uh, you know, animals. Right. Because that's a, it's a dead being. Right. That also is going to free a lot of uh, space in your mm-hmm. mind also. But also going back to con- uh, the healing part uh, with this partner you used to have. Mm-hmm. You used a lot of the word we. And it's basically saying a lot of the healing, yes, take self-responsibility. It's your healing. But it's connected to something right. else. It's connected to somebody else. Right. So it's about also not saying, okay, I have to heal and because I have to heal, you can't, and I'm still holding you accountable. It's like, no, in order for me to heal, I have to let go, I let go of this pain. 100%. So that's very important for a lot of people to hear because a lot of us always hold on to that pain. So again, thank you for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And that's what sharing does, right? The, the point is to inspire and be inspired. And like I said, when we share certain things, we don't know who we touch, who we affect, what we heal in others when we have these conversations. So like I said, I feel like it's it's important and it's not just for us. And like you said, there's certain things that you don't have to share, right? So I think that that's where like tact and tastefulness Mm. and boundaries in your vulnerability come in. Brene Brown, one of my favorite speakers, she has one of the top, what is it, the top two or the top five viewed TED Talks in the world. And it was called, I think it's called the power of vulnerability. And she says, vulnerability without boundaries is not vulnerability. No. And it's not. So I'm not necessarily going to speak in 100% detail because there is, to a certain extent, a privacy that the other person deserves. Right. It is my story to tell, right? And if you don't mm-hmm. like it, you should have played a better character in my story. But there are right. certain things, certain details that are just for you or that you can speak more generally on and or time helps a lot. So I'm not going to necessarily speak about it while it's, happening right, and it's not because right. i'm trying to pretend that things aren't going on no. you can right. even say something's going on without having to say exactly what it is but it's because you have to give yourself 
time. And you have to, like I said, be very careful with, okay, how vulnerable am I being? What's my audience? Why am I doing this? Like, where am I going to share this? How am I going to share this? How's it going to be the most effective? And like I said, it comes, like you said, with a, a, a respect. A respect for yourself and what you're going through. And like I said, the ability to still practice those boundaries and what you're sharing when, where, why, how. Plus, why would y'all listen to my podcast in the future or come to my events if I already told you everything? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Secure Give you a little bit of time, you know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. There, there was no nope. in, in the heel, I'm so sorry, just before we finish off this one thing, um, in the end, end, end of the heel yesterday, it was like the credits and like mm-hmm. little pop-ups at the end. Deepak Chopra, which is one of my favorite spiritual men, advisors, guides, he said something, I'm going to butcher it, I'm usually better at this. It's but cool. the message was, when we leave the physical body, we don't, we don't die. So I tell people all the time, energy doesn't die, it only transfers. So yes. when you say that the connection between people, and I still use we, a lot of spiritual ad- advisors will tell you you have to break the tie and the connection that you have to someone. To me, there's like a, a balance in that. Because, yeah, you, you break it and the effect that it has on you, but everything is, is interconnected. So yes. I think what you break more is the hold that it has on you. Correct. And, and what you feel maybe like you owe to them or, or they owe to you, which is nothing. The like weight said, of mm-hmm. that responsibility. Of- exactly. But like I said, it doesn't, energy doesn't die. It only transfers. And so that means that, ener- that love never goes away. It just mm-hmm. evolves. Yes. And the way in right. which you express that love evolves. So you can love someone for a distance. And I think that's the best compliment. One of the best compliments he ever gave me was the last conversation we had in person. And he said, I know that you love me. I can see it. I can feel it. But as much as you love me, you'll leave me. Because you know that you deserve better. Yes. And because you know that I didn't do the right thing. And I'm like, I'm so glad you know that. Because that allows two things. One, for you not to think that you could take advantage of me. Correct. And abuse Mm. me and my boundaries. And two... That means in some way, shape, and form, even if you didn't show it in your actions, you always did respect me. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You just didn't know how to show it because right. that's not what you were taught. That's not how you were raised. That's not the, the environment you were enabled in other behaviors. But you know that. And that's a starting point. And that's that great. Is. That's a huge starting point. So Deepak, Deepak Chopra at the end said something along the lines of when you leave your physical body, you're not dying and breaking a connection with the Correct. earth. You're breaking a connection with like the human experience. Mm-hmm. Right. But but it's not over. Like, it's not over. So he says it in a way better way. It only took like one <laughs> second. But, you know, it, it's that same message, which I think is is really, really, really important. I, that's something that I say all the time. I'm like, I, I could love you, but over From there. From a distance. <laughs> From a distance. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. It, you're not gonna, you're not gonna hurt me anymore. Yes. I'm not gonna allow you. Yes. Right. So, so I was going to say, so you talked about briefly um, your events that you do and the things that you're passionate about. So can you touch briefly on some of the, the projects that you have coming? Yes. How can people, um, like, tune how can in. people tune in? How can people find you? Do you have a platform that you share your spoken words? Are you on YouTube? Like, these are the things that I want So YouTube know is coming as somebody for sure. Because that's interested. Mm-hmm. Yes, YouTube is definitely coming for sure. Like I said, I want to do a podcast soon. Right now, my biggest platform is my Instagram. My okay. social media, yep. which is underscore my name, E-R-I-C-A-M-A-R-T-A. Um, this last relationship was probably one of, if not so far, the most important relationship. Because I believe that's, you know, that was my twin flame. And mm. I addressed a lot of things mm. within myself while healing from this and while dealing with this individual. Something maybe I didn't know still existed or I didn't know that I hadn't addressed yet. And because of that, like breaking away from it at this point has been great for me because I took the plunge on certain things that I 
feel like I would have done before if I wasn't healing from the trauma from the, from the relationship. Mm. And I pulled the trigger on a lot of things I wanted to do. Mm. So I threw myself into my first event, which was my birthday. Uh, instead of calling it an open mic, I call it an art collective because it was, mm-hmm. you know, I had a singer, yeah, I had a guitarist, I had, and so it was an awesome celebration. And I told myself, power of manifestation, I was like, I'm going to sell out the room. And I asked how many to capacity could we fit here comfortably with everyone having a seat. And Miguel from 10th Avenue, shout out to Miguel. Uh, he told me 130 will fit here comfortably if you're going to do like a, everyone gets a seat type of thing. And I said, okay, so I'm going to sell 130 tickets. And by the time I got there, with the tickets that were sold at the door, I think I had sold 103 tickets before I got there. And I sold 27 at the door. Oh, I, sold 100, I sold right 130 on. tickets. <laughs> and I, I said that's I was right. going to do it, and I threw myself Manifestation, into it. Manifestation, baby. You know what I mean? And so after that, he's like, hey, let's, why don't we do a once-a-month open mic thing, which is something that I wanted to do. So I had one in January. I just had one on Thursday. And now my first women's event, so I'm just going to focus on this for the month of March. Mm-hmm. This is going to be my first all women's event. Not that all my empowerment events are just going to be all women, but for this one, uh, in honor of Women's International Month, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I put together a all women event. I'm not even allowing, I mean, if the cooks are men in the kitchen, you can't see them, but not, <laughs> none of the staff can be men. None of the bartenders can be men. So all the vendors are women, the performers, the guest speakers, everyone in attendance is going to be a woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm describing it as an empowerment and self-love celebration. Mm. So it's going to be a lot. It's going to be group discussions and icebreakers. We're going to talk about a couple of different topics, um, give a couple of different tools for empowerment and self-love that maybe you haven't been using before, whether it's affirmations, whether it's breaking all agreements. We're going to have, like I said, our guest speakers and our performers, access to the vendors over a three-course brunch, some drinks are going to be involved, right. some music, you know, in the beginning while we're doing all that, a personalized gift from me. So what I want it to be considered more than anything is a safe space mm. for women to gather and connect with one another through motivational speaking, leaving more empowered, feeling empowered while they're there. Okay. And I fe- it's going to be the first of many. And I want everyone to be a different topic. Maybe one will be a re- revolved or revolve around loss. Mm-hmm. Or another one will be topics that are more taboo, like anyone who's ever experienced miscarriage or abortion. Yeah. So this one is focusing on the empowerment and self-love aspect of it. And this one is going to be Saturday, March 14th, from 12 p.m. to 5 p.m., um, mark your calendars. Yes. Mark your calendars is right. The link right now is in my bio, and I'm going to switch the link for an, an event break because right now the tickets are on sale for 110 but I have a, a code, discount code, EM14, so EM is Mary14, uh, for an extra $20 off. So when I put the new link, it'll just say 90 You don't have to mm-hmm. like put the discount Listen, code in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You so, heard it first at the get cheese, man. You are ready. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. It's going to be fun. My guest speakers are incredible. Um, Emilia Ortiz on Instagram, uh, yes. Ethereal Period One. I have uh, Maddie Bloom, uh, Maddie Adrian, excuse me, from uh, Blooming Blooming Candles. Yes, mm-hmm. Blooming yes. Soul Candles. She's incredible. Also, I have uh, Frankie Reese, Wonder Frankie on Instagram. So I'm very excited. I'm very excited for my spoken word poets. It's gonna be. It's going to be good. I feel good about it's, it. It's the event, y'all. So if y'all didn't buy your tickets, buy get now. on Instagram right now, <laughs> underscore Erica Marta, in the bio, click that link, buy your ticket, because I'm going to be there. Do it. Listen, listen. Mm-hmm. This is how much I'm going to support. Oh, I'm actually ooh. in Chicago that weekend. Okay. You're not going to sponsor the ticket. But, but, but. <laughs> but what are you going to do? My cousin who loves Erica, I'm uh, getting her a ticket. Oh, you're going to uh, buy her a ticket. That's, that's what I'm saying. She sponsored a ticket. Yes. I love it. Yeah, 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 so yeah. 
much. I, I appreciate it. I can't you. be there, but she loves you that much. I she told me she wanted to go, but she didn't want to go alone one. And she, she She's not like, going to be alone. There's going to be a exactly. amazing exactly. women have asked there. me that. Yes. They've asked me. Right. Is it an event where I'm going to feel comfortable if I go by myself? Let me reiterate that, first of all, you are when you're going there, you're not by yourself. You for sure have me. Plus right. all the other women in attendance. It is absolutely a space that even if you go by yourself, that is more than okay. Because like I said, I'm setting everyone into groups yeah. to do those right. discussions, those get to knows, those icebreakers. So do not be afraid to come by yourself. You will not be lonely. Come find me. Be like, I listen to Dike Chisme. Right. <laughs> She's gonna be like, Can you raise your hand if you're involved with Dike Chisme? <laughs> come, baby. Come. <laughs> one, of, one of our lucky followers could win a ticket. We're going to do a giveaway. Oh, All right, no so y'all way. heard it here. Listen, listen. Yeah, that cute one I want. We're going to do a, a, we'll do it on Instagram. So sweet. We'll do a giveaway on Instagram um, and Twitter. Amazing. One lucky guest, one lucky one lucky uh, follower, one lucky listener, one lucky woman is going to win a ticket to it. Erica Marta's event Ow. March 14th Yay. at 10th Ave. Okay? Y'all heard it here first. Details on how to win soon to come. Soon yes, to come. I was gonna say, how do you, how do we win? Soon yeah. come. <laughs> no, but with all of that being said, and you know, obviously we're gonna support you, or listeners are gonna support you. But I just want to know some last, uh, last message that you may have for young women out there who may be entrepreneurs or who may be trying to find their way. Um, any last words uh, for for these young women out there? Obviously, not last words. I'm sorry because they're gonna come to your event. But for now, Correct. for now, and hear and hear more <laughs> on this of the episode. Words. Right, right. I, I would say. Be brave enough to go for it. Mm. Be brave enough to go for it and to and don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid of what it means. If you make a decision for yourself, if you feel something in your spirit that you really want to go for, a passion that you have that you feel is supposed to be part of your purpose, part of your everyday life, the way you're supposed to make money and not just as a hobby or something that you do on the side, which at the very least, like I said, if you have a, a, an amazing job, at least do something for yourself since yes, you're doing right. something for that boss and that CEO. Right. Um, if you have that dream, go for it and don't settle. Mm. Do not settle. And fine, be Erica. Your... Fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> be your be your biggest advocate and your biggest support system. We often say we wish we had someone like the us we become later when yes. we were younger. Mm-hmm. Be, be that. that person for mm. you now. If you're gonna give yourself advice, do it the way that you would give your little sister advice, right? Friend advice. The, if you envision yourself as the woman that you want to become, living the lifestyle that you want to live, give yourself advice as if you're already that person. Mm, because yes. that's how you manifest. If, the, if your mind and your thoughts don't coincide with your words, mm. if you don't really believe the things that you're saying, then it doesn't matter because it doesn't get past the brainstem and it doesn't go and do what it's supposed to do. It doesn't infiltrate. Into the muscles, baby. A hundred percent. So that's a, that's a training that one needs to practice. Don't just say it. Yes. 100% believe it. You are more than enough. Mm. Don't wait for someone to tell you that. Don't look for that. The only thing you should ever need validated is your parking. Because I don't care. <laughs> okay. okay. I'm still getting And that's all, period. 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 That would be my advice. Be yourself. 100%. And your people are going to come for you. So if you feel like being yourself, you're going to lose some people. Fuck them. Those weren't you. your people. Mm. They're not the people for you. And I love y'all. If you want to talk to me mm. in person... You can come March 14th. If you want to talk to me all the time, you can hit up my DM. And this is why I'm going to have a podcast and a, a YouTube and website soon because I, I want to be more accessible, like your cousin said. I mm-hmm. speak to people. I try to do my best. 
but sometimes you need, I feel, feel like, more platforms or yes. a little bit more organization. Right. Correct. So you could reach as many as possible, even if it's someone subscribing to something. Yes. And you talk right. about different topics. Right. You know, so it, it's it's coming. Mm. Stay, stay tuned. Thank you so much for coming yeah, yes. on Thank and having this having conversation me. with us. Um, I'm actually going to put you on the spot, and I'm going to ask you to do Wild Women at the end of this episode. Okay. Um, Ready. But, yes, guys. We have so much more coming like this. Thank you for tuning in. Dika Chisme is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Libsyn. Make sure you are leaving Ooh. a rating and review. Follow us on social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Dika Chisme. Slide in those DMs. Yeah. You heard? Get in there. <laughs> Thank you girls for having me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Ali, tell them who should be listening. Make sure that you share this podcast with your mother, your brother, your sister, your uncle, mm. both your baby daddies, and <laughs> both of them. People. Yes, both of them. <laughs> and all the people that you know and love. And that's all for this week's episode of DK Chisme. I'm Ali. I'm Evie. And I'm Julie. And I'm Eric Mar. <laughs> Until next time, Chismosas. Peace. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I am aware it is difficult to love a wild woman, but I am unconcerned with men whose hands are too small to grasp the concept that is all of me. Uninterested in shrinking for anyone's comfort, most especially that of a man who claims to love me. My love builds and uplifts, bringing a lover to new heights, so why? Would I clip my own wings while teaching you to fly? Would I remain small when encouraging you to stand tall? Would I apologize for taking up space when I am not sorry? I get it. Freedom is frightening for the insecure. They say if you love a flower, you let it be and let it grow, but then it does not belong to you. But then it is to be loved and admired by everyone. But then don't you realize, no matter how hard you try, that you cannot keep it alive? If that flower is not allowed to bloom in its natural element, it'll slowly start to die, and I wonder what is more important to you. Letting her live or getting to say, she's mine. How do you not realize that no matter how many admirers of your sunflower and her tulips, that she only responds to you? How she can pick you out of a crowd searching for and facing you as if you are the sun. She is your buttercup, her iris only fixated on you with intent, but I am well aware that for some, that is not enough. Where I was unaware is that somehow my strength makes you weak. I thought if you had two strong people, you would call that a team. What is it about my presence that makes you feel defeat? Just because I do not need you does not make you obsolete. How do you not see that I choose you? How do you not see that that means so much more than needing someone? How do you not trust the one who can do everything for themselves but would rather do it alongside you, I wonder? But one can only wonder for so long, sit in the shadows for so long. The sun doesn't stop itself from shining for those it makes uncomfortable. No, it is they who need to find a way to come to terms with all that is the sun, not the other way around. If I recall correctly, the saying goes, if you can't take the heat, you get out of the kitchen. Not to stop cooking, because then imagine all the good meals you'd end up missing. So yeah, I am aware it is difficult to love a wild woman, but I am unconcerned with men whose hands are too small to grasp the concept that is all of me. Uninterested, unapologetic, I am not sorry. I am growing. I am glowing. I am. I am. <laughs>